재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 This is Koreascape on TBS EFM 101.3 MHz in Seoul and surrounding areas. One of the best ways to start discovering what Korean people are thinking and feeling is to look at what they're saying to each other on all these social media boards and in the mainstream media as well. That's what we do on Fridays. We dive in with Ju Hyun Hong and Alex Sigrist. They pick out some of the big buzzing stories of the week. Hello, guys. Hey, Kurt. Hey, how's it going, Kurt? It's so cold today, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's starting to dip. We're getting these snaps, and uh, you got to watch out. My stairs down start to become, as one friend puts it, an icy slide of death. (laughs) 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 Uh, Hey, before we jump into our topic, um, I think we got to give a little shout out to the Hey Neo this morning. Um, Oh, right on. Just overnight or so in, I think it was in Ethiopia. They were voted into the United Nations, the UNESCO, shall we say, uh, intangible cultural heritage of humanity. They're part of that whole canon now. Right, right. So it's very cool. I remember about, it must have been about a month or so ago, we mentioned on this program when they were nominated, uh, those female divers in Jeju. If you haven't been in Korea too long and you haven't had the opportunity to go see them, Definitely put that on your itinerary. They're extraordinary mm. individuals, aren't they? So mm. they have gotten into the heritage. They list. are now an They've intangible cultural treasure of UNESCO. So I guess this time they won't be interfered as much by the scuba divers, the uh, article that we did. We did with. talk about yeah, them, we did. didn't we? Yeah. You know, all they got to do is flash that uh, badge. UNESCO. <laughs> Get the medal Step out. Step off. Oh. Yeah. Step That's off, cute. Scuba I don't know. Adorable. I don't think they named scuba diving a UNESCO cultural <laughs> treasure, did they? Yeah. So uh, the Haneo have some cred, and we all know that they already had lung capacity, but uh, now they've got uh, some United Nations bling-bling to, uh, to throw around. And hopefully that helps them preserve their, their cultural identity. Back to uh, our topics of the week. The first one it's fascinating. We, uh, Nikki, our um, the the blogger behind Neon But More, and also who happens to be the writer of our show, was talking about this this week. Employers usually request a photo with resumes. Right. Yes. And this is, uh, you know, depending on how you interpret it, either innocent or part of the lookism mm. that uh, it, an undue focus on appearance. She was talking about how she went to a photo studio and they looked at the photo she had been using on her CV mm. and said, oh, no, 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 no. Here, let me help you. <laughs> <laughs> and they took a new photo, photoshopped it, and she said, it looked like I was, you know, suddenly a, oh, yeah. you know, a, uh, a, a, an anime character. You know, my eyes were so Sometimes it looks and, so different from yeah. the original that I don't even know who that person is. Yeah. So big eyes and airbrushed and chin tucked in and all this stuff. And she looked, she said, like a celebrity. So that's kind of the hook on which our first story is built, right? Yes. And uh, people have been saying a lot about that. And there were a lot of concerns saying that this is discriminatory. Mm -hmm. And now a bill has passed so that these um, personal profiles like photos or parents' occupation and income levels, they are no longer, you, you can't write them on your you can't post it on your resume. I get, you have the option to, but you, the employer can't demand that you put the photo on the thing. No, right? they can't. And if they do, then they will be fined up to five million won, which is Ooh. around four thousand three hundred. Yeah, that's pretty significant. Yeah, although what you just mentioned there, Kurt, kind of makes me suspicious. There's a spot for it. You don't have to put it there. Yeah, they they can look over your application. Uh-huh. 
and see something else wrong with it, but you right. didn't put the photo on. So I think it should be banned, actually. Yeah, I think they should go further. They should say, listen, uh, if you like their qualifications, then you get to see their face. Exactly. But don't judge the book by its cover, you know? Uh, Alex, I totally agree with you. If there's a space for it, they can't say, oh, you must put it on there. And I was always quite baffled as to when I was applying for uh, companies, I was always baffled as why I have to put my parents' occupation and yeah. all oh, of my, my family members' occupation on right. that resume because it's, I'm the one that's applying. I don't. That's your pedigree. That is your social, uh, uh, je ne sais quoi, yeah. your wasta. Um, so, I mean, it, it's all part of spec, really, right? Spec is this system of scoring. Where'd you mm. go to school? How do you look? What do your parents do? Oh, so, all about status. It's status. Which is weird because uh, you would expect someone who was maybe, let's just say, fed with a silver spoon since birth. They would look really good on a Korean application, but if you think about hiring someone who's been given everything in their life, that just seems counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't seem it. like a system that's really made well, for efficiency. Well, the business sphere has been saying that um, this kind of a bill is unnecessary because the whole point of the photo was so that they could identify people. But then again, it doesn't really <laughs> make sense because no. <laughs> because they didn't want substitutes yeah. to come in and take the no, test or the interview. No, no. <laughs> but if you think about it, then how do advanced countries who don't have this system, how did they manage to employ people and function properly? And, and, and we look... I've done this. We look nothing like the photo I put on my resume. Exactly. I look like a like a fifteen year old middle school kid who just like put white on makeup the resume all or in reality face. both <laughs> <laughs> on the resume on the resume or just a slightly more disheveled disheveled. Yeah, uh, don't 15. recognize me and the on whole my fi- picture. point of the photo is becoming meaningless here as well because we airbrush it to death. Exactly. So now, just to be clear, this is. This item, this measure, is still in play. This is just sort of a committee of lawmakers has passed it, and it, it still has to pass the full plenary and then be signed, yes. right? Yes, it still has to pass. But there, people are saying that it will most definitely pass. At this point, it's yes. gotten over the biggest hurdle, so people will no longer have to. And this is including the photos and also including the parental information. The parental information and also income levels. Of income levels. No longer mandatory mm-hmm. to put on your job application, but... As Alex pointed out, maybe there'll be a soft, subjective decision on the other side if you choose not to mm, volunteer that information. Right. Uh, maybe she doesn't want to, or he doesn't. She doesn't wanna. follow the rules. Yeah, you know, she won't do what I say. <laughs> you know, maybe she's kind of ashamed of her uh, parental status or her photos. Or putting all that information just m- confuses it. Like it just blurs the boundary with matchmaking agencies. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, in a way, companies can sometimes be their own internal matchmaking. I heard plenty of CC couples, you know. Right. Well, I mean, come on. It still is, for the most part, a pretty patriarchal workforce around here, you know. Uh, There's still instances of inappropriate behavior and speech in a lot of workplaces. We've got some actual comments from real people out there in the social media ecosphere, read, as always, by our faithful robo-readers. Let's give them a listen. There are countries far more ethnically diverse than Korea, yet they still don't require applicants to post photos on their resumes. Recruiters won't be able to identify the photos anyways because they are airbrushed. I wish companies gave back documents applicants handed in. It's good that the bill has passed. Developed countries have been practicing this for a long time. 
I always thought paying for resume photos was a waste of money. I'm happy that the bill passed. And we launch right into the solo after the last comment. <laughs> that was good timing. Um, yeah. I, th that first comment was interesting to me, uh, pointing out that there are other countries more ethically diverse. diverse. Ethnically, I'm sorry. Ethically. <laughs> ethically, ethically diverse. So yes. many different ways to <laughs> be <laughs> moral. People. Yeah, I think Some people would argue, people especially like these days, that there is a lot of ethical diversity. But... Um, do you think there's an ethnic angle? Is this? Uh, do some employers are they trying to filter by Koreanness or uh, ethnicity? I think that if it's if we're talking based on lookism as well, I mean, going one step further, it's not hard to imagine that there might be some ethnical mm. discrimination going on. Mm. Mm. And I suppose within the pure Korean sphere there are people who look more Korean than others yes um, mm. and maybe you want that poster boy Korean look in your uh, new hire um, yeah. um, if, if you are embracing lookism as one of your hiring criteria and there could also be some um, racial things for example if someone is hiring an English teacher they might think that maybe when we talk about native it has nothing to do with race but they might think of more of a Caucasian person mm here in Korea so oh yeah they've got all those hagwons that were under some sort of scrutiny because it's like oh we only accept people who are not well this was weird not black and also not Irish yeah we went yeah th we go through those phases and so if you get a, someone like a name like Mark Stein and you've and, and it goes to the process, I hate to say it, but I mean, this is the way that they kind of eliminate I mean, I have seen some cases races. where they do that, so uh, there is actually an ethical angle to this i mean uh, mm -hmm. by not including your parental lineage and so on mm -hmm. uh the aim of this is to reduce influence peddling mm. you know right. you say you know well i my name is so and so the the, the son of so and so who just happened to have been prime minister of korea or whatever who I, just, don't, I don't think you need that on your resume i think, I think that'll get out that, the word will <laughs> you'll tell somebody <laughs> but i yeah. personally think this bill gained more back uh backbone because of the whole social phenomenon nowadays with the social ped like influence peddling like you said do you think that this uh massive influence peddling and protest case nudged this along i think so yeah. i think because this has been uh set for a long time and no one really yeah. tried to change anything it has been floating around out there i remember talking about this for almost a year off and on but now that uh, oh a million or so people are showing up in mm -hmm. town square every week yeah, uh, just another quick one before we move on to the next one. I thought this was an interesting kind of side comment. I wish companies gave back documents applicants handed mm. in. This is not exactly related to the picture thing, but can I just complain for two seconds? Mm. Man, I had to give my actual real diploma to my Korean university and couldn't get it back. What? Really? That's a thing. But then actually we do that here. I have a lot of documents that I haven't got. Yeah, that, ain't, but, that ain't happening. Nobody's getting in America, my we get the original. <laughs> we only have the original. Of course. So there's one. <laughs> and if you want uh, like another one, a literal reprint and signed by it, you can get it, but it's some huge it's a process. Feast, but in yeah. the States, you can definitely yeah, get, you can get the, the documents back. But Korea is interesting because you can kind of like reprint it like in a day or something yes. Yes. I'm going to get you a good color copy and you're just going to be happy <laughs> with yeah. that Yeah. no nobody's getting my original diploma <laughs> I don't care I'll, I'll ca hand carry it into the interview <laughs> and you can see it 
when I come after you origi- you know, evaluate my qualifications, Wait, you not hand- my photo. See the picture. You hand it in your original one? They, had to, they kept it until oh, the end, and no. I had to like get it back at the end, which okay. was not usual. Okay. We're going to move on to a couple of other big trending topics this week when Koreascape returns with the Dive In Korea team, Alex and Ju, right after this. Welcome back to Koreascape. We're doing Dive In Korea as we do on Fridays with Alex Sigrist and Hyun Hong. They've picked out some of the stories that kind of lit up the social media boards this week. Uh, Alex and Ju, do you guys read any books by Martin Amos? Martin Amos. I can't say I have. The writer Martin Amos. Um, He's uh, one of those kind of big top name British authors and he's mildly obsessed with Auschwitz. Uh, He's got two books. One's called Time's Arrow which uh, it's from the perspective of an aged SS officer Hmm. that was in the camps. Hmm. And you become very quickly aware that the narrative is going backwards in time. Uh, It's starting when he's an old man and leading all the way back to his time in the camps. There's another one called Zone of Interest, which is like a love story set in Auschwitz. And the whole idea is for it to be an inappropriate you know setting for a love story right it's like the officers have this little sort of light love story while everything's going on around them i couldn't help but think of those two books and of martin amos with this next story that you've picked out mm. um uh, and uh, about love <laughs> <laughs> about auschwitz i think that love story is really inappropriate that's the whole idea of the book i mean for me to describe it it sounds like oh my god that's such it's such bad taste but he's doing that deliberately mm-hmm. the banality of flirting and all this stuff right. taking place right right next door to Auschwitz. Mm. Um, And so it's meant to kind of shock the reader a little bit. But you've got this guy who is called, this real guy, not a fictional one, Mm. he's called the bookkeeper of Auschwitz. The bookkeeper. And uh, his court has essentially um, rejected his appeal that he's too old or something like that. Give us the details. They have rejected his appeal uh, and sentenced him to four years for his role in the murder of people at the Nazi death camp. He hasn't actively participated himself in killing these people, but they believe that he has subconsciously helped the officers mm. uh, make the proceedings faster. Obviously. Mm. I mean, there's, I don't think that's controversial to say at all. Yeah. This is the classic, you know, was just following orders thing. Um, there's a book out there called uh, Hitler's Willing Accomplices. And it says, man, the chain of responsibility goes all the way down. Even if you were Hitler's janitor, you were taking part in, in this thing. And he is currently 95 years old. So. Yeah, 95. Did they just catch up with him recently or what? No, I think um, he has uh, filed for an appeal and then they have the court has been processing this for a while. And last year they have... The conviction is legally binding, so right. they have rejected his appeal and confirmed it. Okay, so he was convicted uh, relatively recently, I think last year, is that right? Yes. And so a year-long appeals process or so, and now they figure uh, four years, which I suppose if you're 95 years old, it's more, like a life sentence. It's a life sentence, mm-hmm. right? You're going to die in jail. Uh, 
or be released at 99 years old, and I imagine he can't do too much harm at that point. Well, the German minister said that it's never too late for justice, and the legal proceedings of Auschwitz can never have an end. Yeah. Mm, if, yeah. There, if some cases come up, it always has to... They always need to face justice. Well, one of the grim realities of the camps, you know, Auschwitz and the other camps, is that the arriving prisoners would surrender their valuables and surrender their uh, gold, their jewelry, whatever mm -hmm. money they happen to have left. Mm -hmm. And so if you're the bookkeeper of Auschwitz, guess what you are taking in as accounts receivable? Right. Uh, all of these possessions of the prisoners. You basically so seize all of their valuables. Yeah. And, and on an even darker level, you know, the, the gold fillings and so on. Um, that's, that's a very famous aspect of these, these death camps. Um, there were some interesting debates regarding this. Some people said, well, if you were in a position during that time, if you were in a minor position, you wouldn't really be able to say no because then they would have killed you instantly. Mm. So where's the justice in that? But then again, I don't know. I, I well, uh, I want to say that uh, even in Hitler's Germany, there was probably some labor mobility. You could have gone off and done something else. You didn't have to be necessarily the bookkeeper for Auschwitz. Right. In times of war, though? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, uh, I, as a devil's advocate, I'll say it, but I'm not sure either. This is a massive question. I mean, the court has essentially ruled on it. They ruled he was responsible and that yeah. he, bear, he shares culpability in this. So, but, but the ethical question is, is a big one. To what level do you point a finger of mm. guilt? It was interesting. I think this is common in kind of the world politics in that Germany is one of the few countries that will honestly take responsibility for its own wrongdoings a lot more often than let's say as we can say the u.s does sure you know we haven't punished anyone for putting people in internment camps or what we do to native american populations as a u.s citizen and and countries around asia too china korea japan not innocent of not punishing ourselves well, right japan especially because they even have a shrine don't they sure yeah Every, yeah. Well, I, I mean, so you're getting to the point. Uh, there's a kind of a question. All right, why are we, you know, why are we bringing this Auschwitz story up in a Korea culture show? Right. right? Mm -hmm. So some of the big sort of forty thousand foot high questions uh, are in play here in Korea. Yeah. Yes. We've just had these history textbooks. The state has issued history textbooks which are very controversial. It's unclear whether they'll actually mm. make it into the classrooms. And they deal with questions of uh, guilt of collaboration with the Japanese during the colonial period, uh, the sort of rights and wrongs of the Republic of Korea's mm -hmm. first leaders. Mm. Um, these are big, huge historical questions right. uh, and of assigning blame and credit. Yes, and a lot of Koreans believe that after this article was released, they believe that the pro-Japanese collaborators, they should come out and mm. also face their justice. Yeah. But then it also brings up the question, like I said, people who are uh, opposing to this said that, well, what would you have done in a situation like that? But I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a difficult question, that, yeah. especially for, in this case, obviously he was the bookkeeper, so he did deserve uh, some punishment. But if it was a very minor role... I don't know. Yeah, there's also the question of the United States was a victorious power against both Germany and Japan. Mm -hmm. You could argue that they handled those two countries very differently. Right. Uh, Germany, I mean, they were drilled and educated and shown the horrors of what they did 
over and over for you know a decade or so and it, germany has responded mm-hmm. in kind right they're they're very respected as having absolutely confronted apologized right. made redress mm-hmm. for uh, the holocaust some would say there's no way to make a redress for the holocaust but they've done a lot japan uh, i would argue the united states did not force japan into that kind of uh, position they had mm-hmm. certain things um the, the textbooks were approved by us uh, administrative uh, administrations basically so there are parts of it however i i don't think it made them necessarily because the u.s had regret also for dropping atomic bombs as well right so, and they don't so cover that as guilt. much right that there's a bit of a guilt yeah. in this yeah. one and and so but we did make them use our sanctioned textbooks for a long time yep however i think having dropped the atomic bombs sort of made yes. a we have our guilt, you have your guilt, let's just forget about it for I a minute. I do think that this article kind of raises the question of, like Alex said about the US and Japan, I think mm-hmm. each each and every country should sort of take responsibility for for whatever wrongdoings yeah. there were in history, justice needs to be. Mm. There may be an ethnic dimension to this. I mean, right. what happened in Germany happened to people that many Americans would say look like us, talk like us, and our families came from there. Less so with Asia. It's more of a detached situation. Correct. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, We've got some voices from actual people out there. Let's give those a listen now. This article means a lot to us. It shows that it's not too late to locate the pro-Japanese collaborators and make them repent for the past. This is why Germany is respected as a nation. I wish Korea had its beacon of light, so that our children no longer live in despair. Offenders will take their responsibility irrespective of their roles. So yeah, uh, I think a lot of Koreans will hear this uh, story of Germany and Auschwitz and this 95-year-old SS officer and they will say, where are the wheels of justice grinding Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. Korea and Japan? The other thing to think about is that there will come probably a day when these questions of justice, culpability, truth, reconciliation will apply to North Korea. Right. Right. Um, yes. They're going to wonder, you know, how far out from the central leadership were you, and how much did you help the? Right. Yeah. But then you have the, you know, the stories of people getting blown up by cannons in front of their family. Like, I mean, oh, that's a tougher one to me. Yeah. That's even tougher, I think. Right. And a much more opaque kind of thing. Yeah. Germany, it should be said, you know, twice in a sense they did soul searching with the Holocaust, of course, and then with uh, reunification. Mm-hmm. You know, when they unpacked all of the Stasi files. Right. And and uh, went through all of that and looked at what happened in the communist east. I guess we can move on to our final story today. Um, happier story, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Happier story about a sadder subject. How about that? Yeah. Uh, when you get, correct me if I'm wrong, Jew, but when you, in the past you, you get a divorce in Korea, that becomes part of the public record, right? Yes. And so anybody listed. could go to town hall and look up and ascertain whether you um, are married, single, or have or, had a divorce. Yes, you could um, look up for it. But that's changing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right now there's a, there's a ruling that actually came out on Wednesday from the Supreme Court that basically only requires essential information, personal information, to be listed in public records. So that essentially means that only the name of your present spouse and children 
will be included in public records. So your previous spouses and stepchildren will not be included. So divorce, adoption, and other personal information are not available for people outside of, well, yourself. So I guess this goes in line with the resume photos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only the essentials. Huge privacy issue. When you say adoption, do you mean whether you were adopted or whether you adopted a child? I don't have the exact thing, the exact uh, info, but I'm, I'm assuming it's both. It, yeah. it will go both ways. Because this is one of the um, things that fuels the whole debate over adoption and these baby boxes right. in Korea and so on is um, the fact that it's, it would have been a matter of public record that you are yeah. an adoptee. Um, yeah. So I think that's what they mean is changing. Uh, it will be less uh, transparent. Yeah. So I guess both, I have- it has to be both ways. Like you're adopted. Because that way, someone could find out then if yeah. he went to the parents, but the son's mm. name wasn't on, you know. Mm. So it'd have to be both ways, whether you adopted or were adopted. There's a stigma about divorcees, isn't there? In I think so. I think there's a huge, well, I personally think. I think it's fading more and more nowadays, but in the past, it, there used to be a huge stigma about divorcees. Mainly women? Mainly yeah. women, I would it's say. It's the ones you ask questions about. I mean, I mean, we are all sort of in the phase of a misogynist society. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, how, much, how much can we say that without angry? Yeah, no, I never said any of this. Yeah, but, right. uh, but there's truth in that. And and this goes back, you know, this is not a Korean thing by any means. I don't mean to cast blame on one group. Like, this is a, a biblical thing as well. Like, the idea of impurity. You know, once someone has been yeah. with another man, damaged that goods. person is damaged but goods. But how, how is that only applied to women? I don't understand. Oh, uh, that's exactly the problem. Well, that's right. That's, that, the, that's where the patriarchy comes right. in. Right. I mean, I guess, I guess men are damaged. But no, then like, I also thought, sense. I think it was also partially stigma, but then I also thought about why was this um, legal for such a long time? And maybe it's also because some people concealed, like if someone asked you, well, it's not important, but if they lied about it, maybe they wanted to go check or something. If the person that they were going to get married said, oh, I was never married before, don't have children. Yeah. And then they wanted to confirm whether this person was lying or not. I presume that's what kept it in the courts as long as all the way up to the Supreme Court is someone will be arguing that statement. But I got to, you know, if there's a lesser of two evils, that evil doesn't seem as bad to me as fixing a structural problem. Yeah. So, like, right. I got, I mean, not saying you disagree, but I mean, we got, I got to go in favor of the D4Cs here. And yeah, the Korean the courts, to the, I, I've only just dipped a baby toe in the Korean court system here with a couple of experiences, but it strikes me that the Korean courts are very um, interventionist in terms of recommending compromise and brokering solutions. You know, Mm. you go to a court elsewhere, it's like, okay, uh, what do you want? Here's my ruling. Yes, no, you can have it. Uh, Mm -hmm. The courts here will be like, now, wait, why don't you you talk more and why don't you compromise and why don't you read (laughs) the thing? Oh, no. Yeah. Um, I know a couple of divorcees, Korean divorcees, Mm. women, and they really got shafted in their uh, divorce. Shafted? They got got nothing. They got, they got nothing. Yeah. They got nothing. Oh. Taken advantage. The husband of, decided, you know, uh, I don't want to give you anything, and there wasn't uh, an extenuating circumstance like cheating or anything like that. But I think the way that the trans the the, the system is kind of set up, it mm. leans towards the the man as you know the provider, and he's he's kind of driving the bus, and you he can sh- decide. Like in the past, I think usually guys were the providers of the family mm. so if in the case of a divorce the woman would have a career disruption meaning that there will be a gap in her resume right. so she can't easily get back into the job market right. it's difficult for her to get a job yeah so i guess 
I wonder if this will open the floodgate on divorces. I mean, this is just yeah. the privacy aspect. So there's interesting studies. The one from the U.S. is basically that there was a ton of divorces ever since they legalized divorces. And it was, oh, they just made it so much easier. And and the truth is, well, in a way, yes, there's always an initial spike when, when something like this happens. But it's it's actually really good news because a lot of these divorces that happen, they don't happen because it's easy to, uh, like, uh, you know, now that it's easy, let's just do it. They happen because there's instances of domestic abuse they don't have an out and uh-huh. there's not enough protection mm. when they leave the marriage so it's easier to stay inside of a, a violent marriage so even in this case it should be helpful to to anyone man or woman because uh, it does go both ways man or woman who is in a bad situation who feels that if they're trying to leave there's no one out there to support them. They'll be labeled. They'll never be ma- be able to get married again. No. So I might as well stay in this horrible relationship. No, I think the this system is really good. So that the stigma has been sort of lifted in mm-hmm. some way. So yeah. people don't have to, oh, will it still be on the public records? They don't have to worry about that as much as before. There's uh, this idea of uh, twilight divorces, you know, after mm-hmm. your kids are raised, gone to university, maybe they're off on their own. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time for us to get a divorce, you know, often Mm. initiated by women. Mm -hmm. uh, They say, you know what? I've put up with your nonsense for 25 years. I want half. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to France. I'm going to paint. How do you know this so well? (laughs) There's been articles about it and uh, people talk about it. A friend of mine thinks that this is the sort of divorce tsunami that is coming. Um, You know, lots and lots of women will say, listen, I want uh, to kind of get my groove back. I have a Mm. second shot at uh, uh, fulfilling my own wishes. And um, I, he he thinks my friend does mm-hmm. that it's going to be on the rise. I, right. I I'm inclined to agree. Oh, I, think, I, I think I I think a lot of people we look at divorce in the wrong way. Divorce is a good thing. It's oh. the marriage that comes. It's the bad marriage right leading up to that divorce that is the bad thing. So divorce means that something was going horribly wrong. It doesn't mean you've never had. And this I'm I'm stealing this from Louis C.K. You've never exactly had what I was going to say. Two happy people be like. Huh? It's too bad. Let's <laughs> yeah. just get divorced. I yeah. like no, there's no, there's never a good marriage that ends in divorce. But I do think that marriage needs to be taken very seriously. Yes, At yes. the start, that's so mm. that you can prevent all the documental mm-hmm. harassment. Uh, yeah, no, marriage is a mildly terrifying. I think. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that you have to. You that's it, man. You know, um, <laughs> till death do us part, kind of thing. I take that absolutely seriously. Um, I guess that's why I'm not married. It's just such a a, a massive huge commitment. step. Yeah. Can I can I consider this? This is kind of a could be an offshoot, and maybe not as influenced influenced by this particular law, but having divorce an option, as horrible as it may be, right now people are already delaying marriage because they're not sure if they're worried about the divorce, or they're worried about not being the right person, or they're mm. worried about finding someone else right. later. Like, so we're already not getting married. People in our generation. Yes. So. Having an out later isn't about having the out. It's about letting people feel more comfortable. comfortable what if do. I choose the wrong person? Yeah. And what if he turns out to be someone who beats his wife? That will leave me an out. So this might actually, or laws such as this, might actually make it more encouraging for people our age to kind of take that first step into marriage, to, to make yeah. that commitment. Yeah. Or short of domestic violence... Um, what if this gives a partner in a marriage a card to play? You know, if uh, there's no excuse for beating a wife or anything like that, but if the husband is a bully in other ways, Mm. maybe giving, you know, an easier divorce 
to the the wife as a card to play gives her some leverage in the marriage to gives say shape up buddy or I'm leaving and I'm free. taking half. Right. We'll put a final point on this after we take a little jingle break and clear our heads. We'll be right back. Guys, we actually have a um, text that has come in. Mm-hmm. This, I suppose, th- this is probably uh, about the Auschwitz discussion, yes. but it could be about the divorce discussion too. It says, "Can we show grace, forgiveness? Tough questions. Great discussion. So, um, um. you know, on a <laughs> macro scale, uh, how do we reconcile these great historical things? And in a in a divorce situation, obviously, grace and forgiveness. Do you think forgiveness is the uh, way to what was I going to ask? Do you think forgiveness is the way to let go of all the anger and all the Probably. resentment? Probably. Yeah, so that's that's on a personal level in a way. But then again, having it happen at a national level may help people at a personal level add to it. Or it may not in the case because of Korea recently forgave Japan for some stuff that Koreans weren't ready to forgive them for with the uh, comfort. Well, it depends how you define forgiveness. Exactly. That's the problem. Forgiveness doesn't mean, oh, let's hug and let's walk through the park holding hands. Forgiveness Mm. means, you know, I still don't ever want to talk to you again. Right, right. But I'm not going to Uh, clutch onto hate and recrimination. Forgiveness is not Some people say that having grudge is no big trouble. Like, you could always have grudge. Yeah. You could just keep I, building that thing up. Just keep it oh, in the yeah. sock drawer. I, I'd you know. love to shake up my cans of cola and just see what happens after a while. <laughs> grudges. Oh, uh, they get me up in the morning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's such a... Even that, dimen- that question is multidimensional within marriage in itself. Are we talking about forgiveness to, to spouses? Are we talking about forgiveness to someone who's been through a divorce? Yeah. Which I would hope the answer is yes. I would hope you forgive someone. You know, it's not their fault if they're... Unless they were in a domestic abuse. Well, unless they're the ones who were maybe... Yeah, so like, who are we forgiving? I I suppose if you you want to take a page out of the Christian book, you would say grace and forgiveness are do those who show genuine penitence and Mm -hmm. repent their ways. Repent their ways. So So if this 95-year-old SS guy from Auschwitz, the bookkeeper of Auschwitz, demonstrates absolutely sincere uh, penance... I think that's one of the reasons why his appeals got rejected as well, yeah. because he appealed, which means that he feels like he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, I wrong. didn't do anything. You know, I was, yeah. And yeah. That's, that's a whole different attitude. Uh, and then we've got the whole idea of uh, different types of consequentialism. I mean, so let's just say we forgive him. And so the, the counter-argument is we forgive him. What makes you think that a sociopath will not say, oh, I'm sorry, I ki- like I didn't, I killed your your family but <laughs> yeah or a you know, cynical like, apology yes, a courtroom yeah. right. apology yeah. so like, in, like a fake apology you mean so and then you gotta say like okay so what if someone is really what if he really is the one we need to forgive yeah. and the answer to me is this is kind of similar to what you said earlier it's you gotta forgive but you don't forget so there's still some punishment that should be made in certain circumstances mm. now in a marriage does that mean the punishment is I have to divorce you? No. Does it mean that we have to put someone to death for something that they did a long time ago at a death camp? No. 
but there's got to be something, and it can happen within counseling. It can happen with a smaller prison sentence, whatever it is. I don't know if death can ever be a penalty for doing some atrocities because I feel like that's the easy way out, just dying. That's an interesting. Oh, that's yeah. a whole other thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe one day the the death penalty will percolate to the top of the headlines, and we can have a whole fifteen oh, minute goodness. discussion Talk on about that. It. Thirty minutes. You know, just I'm back on the the forgiveness thing. Uh, I'm reminded it's often attributed to the Buddha, but I, I have my doubts whether the Buddha ever said it. Uh, they say holding a grudge or hating somebody is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Oh, um, so you mean it's toxic it's for yourself? Toxic for you, but it doesn't affect the other person at all. I that's do think true. that's true. Which I think is a practical way to view a grudge. Is that but it, I, do, I really agree with how you view forgiveness. It's not about, oh, let's be friends yeah, and talk yeah. often. It's more about, mm. I accept that you feel sorry, but yeah. I won't ever talk I to have, you. I have, you know, benignly freeze-dried my feelings for yeah. you and put them on a shelf you know, so that they're neither yeah. burning you nor right. me anymore. Someone has violent tendencies, you can forgive them for their action, but you don't have to, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. You go back to the same thing you don't have to you don't have to I embrace ha- them with i must hug arms. this person that's right you, know, you don't have to do that yeah it's not a touchy-feely thing wow, necessarily this got, got deep this got deep the oh. nature of forgiveness we started with uh, photos on resumes and we ended with the nature <laughs> of even forgiveness. forgot the jingle break <laughs> <laughs> at least we kept the jingle break in there. all right guys that'll be another dive in korea in the books thank you very much for coming in uh, thank you Kurt. always a pleasure and our show is produced by Oh Jang Sop with associate production from Jamie Lee. Nikki Kim is our writer and I'm Kurt Asian. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Koreascape is the handle. We've got our special weekend edition tomorrow. We're taking a walk through Iksondong. And if you're here in Seoul, this, that, and Amy is up next. We'll see you tomorrow.